Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You've got to identify with your Savior Jesus. You may not be able to touch him in a physical manner, but you need to be in touch with him spiritually and identify that he paid the price for you to die in your place so that you could be saved. So that was a common practice. When they touched things like this, it meant transference. So the king would understand he would be getting the transference of power to strike towards the east with this arrow of deliverance. And so he told him to shoot that arrow towards the east direction because that was the direction of Judah's enemies towards the Syrians. So Elisha was doing all of this illustrative stuff here. He was doing all this this picture, everything that he could, to show Joash and to instill into Joash that the Lord was going to give him power to strike his enemy and defeat them for Israel's sake. Now, this was all conducted by Elisha, pick up the arrow and shoot him out this way, okay? He needed Joash to understand this experientially. See, I'm a visual learner. You can tell me something, and I don't know if I'll get it or not, but if I look confused, you probably need to draw it out, (laughs) or you need to make me do something that will have me understand it. When I went to electronics school back in the day, we had uh, lab experiments. We didn't just study the theory of electronics and capacitors and resistors and inductors and all these things. I would have been lost. We actually had to go into the lab and put our hands on it and make circuits and apply voltage to it and watch them work. It was seeing what you were learning. It it really helped me a lot. So Elisha's doing the same thing to Joash. You need to see what I'm trying to show you, what you need to learn to defeat this enemy. So what Elisha had just given to Joash was a promise of victory. You're going to strike to the east. You're going to strike these guys with this arrow of deliverance. The Lord is going to deliver you, and you're going to have victory over them. What a picture. 2 Kings 13, 18. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them, and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. That's very important, friends. You need to remember this, okay? So he struck three times and stopped. Verse 19. And the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Okay, interesting part of the story here. Elisha told him to take all his remaining arrows. He goes, take take these arrows and shoot them in the ground. Just shoot them straight down. But Joash only shot three times and he stopped. Now, it is understood by the text here that Joash obviously had more than just three arrows around, okay? Joash should have shot more. He was a king. 
He had an entire military with him. He could have ordered a thousand arrows if he wanted them. Okay. He should have shot more arrows into the ground to demonstrate his belief that he would have many victories until he wiped all this enemy out. Now, we have got to consider what just happened here that power had been transferred to Joash for military victory. And Joash understood that, okay? He's all in that. He's seeing what's taking place. He gets what Elisha's trying to tell him. The one arrow that he shot towards his enemy in the east, Joash understood very well. He had been given the military power to beat them, and he had been given the victory over that enemy. It is well understood that Joash had more than three arrows. Okay, so after such an experiential transfer of power, Joash should have had the belief to use that power with as much force as he could with as many arrows as he had. Joash had just been given the assurance of the promise of victory, but Joash didn't fully believe that God could do what Elisha said he would do. Joash really didn't believe that God could pull it off. And so having been given a full promise of victory, Elisha got pretty upset with Joash for not giving it all he had. Joash was a little too half-hearted here, wasn't he? Joash knew this was an experiential setting so that he could learn from it. He had been troubled for a long time by this pestering enemy that had been oppressing him and making a lot of mess for a long time. He should have said, you know what? I am going to trust God with this assurance. I'm going to give it all I've got. And Joash should have got every arrow he could find and shot them all into the ground. And after he shot every arrow he had, he should have called up his men to bring in more arrows and shoot and shoot and shoot until there were no arrows to be found anywhere else. That is a drive right there, friends. That was would have been a demonstration of how tired he was of the enemy oppressing him. And it would have shown how eager he was to receive the Lord's blessing to be saved out from under it. But Joash acted in unbelief. Okay, three arrows. Thump, 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 there. Now what? Really? Is that your drive after all the oppression? After being given the the news that you're going to get out from this, that's all you're going to do? And so Elisha told him he would have had more victories had he shot more arrows. But now as it was, God would only give him three, just three victories. Promise of victory, yes, but his faith demonstrated what he believed. You're only going to get three now. Second Kings 13, 20. Then Elisha died and they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was, as they were burying a man, that suddenly they spied a band of raiders, and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. (laughs) Whoa! Wow! Ah, this makes me want to take a break, but I can't. I got to keep going. (laughs) Okay, Elisha's ministry lasted for 56 years. That's a long time for the kind of work that he did, especially through all the Baal worship. Everybody's worshiping another god except the one that he was trying to promote, the God of Israel. And that's a long time to do that kind of work. And he'd been through, oh gosh, famines and droughts and 
He'd been through some rough times, and he kept going on at it until the Lord called him home, probably around 798 BC. If you're a Christian and you're telling people about Jesus and most of the people ain't listening to you, and it just seems like a dry environment for Christianity, just keep going. I'm telling you, just keep going. Elisha did. He's a good example for us. Now, back then, People were buried in tombs that were carved out of rock, much like Jesus was. When you think of the tomb of Jesus, it's kind of a rock-carved tomb like that. So at some point later in time, there was a funeral that happened to be going on sometime after Elisha had died, and then there were some raiders that came in, and they were going to rob everybody that they met. So the people that were doing the funeral, they didn't want to get attacked and robbed or maybe end up killed too. So what they did is they just opened up one of the closest tombs to them, which happened to be the one that Elisha's body was in, and just threw the man's body in it and took off running. (laughs) Guys, if we stay around, we're going to get killed. Break open that tomb, throw the body in there, and let's get out of here. But the man's body landed on Elisha's bones, and then he came back to life, and he stood up, and he probably walked back out of the tomb to the guys that just threw him in there. Now, you know that everybody at the funeral, when they saw this, they ran and told everybody what they saw. Okay, hold that thought for a minute. News is about to propagate real quick on what just happened here. But what time of the season was it? It says it was spring. Now, kings rarely made war in the wintertime. Typically, when they attacked, it was in the springtime. And verse 20 specifies that it was springtime when these raiding parties were coming in. So what this means is that Elisha, he'd been dead for, I don't know, several weeks, months maybe by now, and Joash probably spent the winter time trying to figure out how to attack his enemies in the east in the direction that he shot that arrow. And so he's had all this time. Maybe he forgot what the Lord had guaranteed his victory for. So now here we are at springtime. This is the time. It is prime time when kings would go to war. The Lord timed this miraculous event to happen at the tomb of Elisha simply to push the news of this miraculous story over into Joash's ears right as he sat with his advisors on how to attack the enemy in the east. (laughs) So you're you're the king and you've been, okay, uh, Elisha's gone and I'm trying to figure out how to do this strategy, this war strategy. He needed some encouragement and here it come. This was God's timing. Joash probably spent months wondering, maybe doubting, struggling with the promise of victory that Elisha had given him. Have you ever had that? Have you ever struggled with the promise of your salvation, the victory in Jesus that you have? You ever get in a a bad fix, a bad situation, and you just lost your hope, but you know that you've got victory in Jesus? Well, why are you in doubt right now? This was a good time for this suddenly fantastic reminder to come and hit Joe Ash's ears. And friends, I want to tell you, if, you, if you're a believer in Jesus, you, you've given yourself over to the Lord, but for some reason or another, you just kind of fell into a bad slump and you have just forgotten about your full victory. I want to give you a reminder that Jesus is in control and you've been granted full victory. You're, you're promised to win in Jesus Christ. Maybe you need a reminder now, just like Joe Ash did then. So this was such a tremendous sign of God's power here working even 
through the corpse of a dead prophet. And it would have encouraged Joash to begin the battles that he was guaranteed to win. Friend, I want to encourage you to get after those battles that you have been guaranteed to win. You just needed a little reminder today, didn't you? 2 Kings 13, 22. And Hazael, king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoahaz. But the Lord was gracious to them, had compassion on them, and regarded them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and would not yet destroy them or cast them from his presence. Now Hazael, king of Syria, died. Then Ben-Hadad, his son, reigned in his place, and Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, recaptured from the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazael, the cities which he had taken out of the hand of Jehoahaz, his father, by war. Three times Joash defeated him and recaptured the cities of Israel. <laughs> Look at that. There's his three victories. He got them. And this was restoration for Israel. He'd been under oppression a long time, but he got his three victories, and it came back to Israel. They were restored back. Friends, we serve a God of promise. We serve a God of victory. We serve a God of restoration. And you need to remember that, that may this story be your reminder today. So here we are given a view of Joash's father, Jehoiahaz, how he always had war all the days that he was alive. But because of covenant, it says because of covenant, the Lord God would never let Israel be captured and taken away. Covenant. Friend, when you get saved by Jesus, you are saved under covenant. Nobody can take that away from you. And so if you've been living forgetful, your problems have taken you over, and you don't know what to do about it, today needs to be your miraculous reminder that God has given you a promise of victory. If you're under covenant with Jesus, you've been given victory. You need to get back in the game. You need to get back in the fight again and get after it. You're, you don't have to submit to those problems. You need to submit to the Lord. You are a covenant child of God. Serving false gods brings no peace. That's what Israel's problem was. No matter how hard you adamantly believe in the false gods you follow, the bottom line is they will always steal your peace. You may be giving your life over to money. Maybe government is what you worship. Well, I don't worship it, right? Well, if it takes priority over God, it sure does. That is your, is your God. It'll steal your peace. You will not have peace. As long as Israel served false gods, they never had peace. I have had people say, try to argue religious stuff with me, and it's usually devoid of talking about Jesus. It's usually devoid of a Savior, and it's always devoid of love. But I have to ask people a question like this. Where's your peace? Call your religious beliefs whatever you want. Stand your ground as hard as you want. But where's your peace? Typically, these people don't have any peace. They are fighters. They want to argue about the way they see things and how I look at it. And, and the reason they're so agitated is they don't have any peace. Where's your peace? If you don't have any peace, chances are you may not be right with the Lord. You know, Joash had sinful traditions, but yet we can see that he still worshiped the Lord somewhat. Now, Joash was not fully dedicated to the Lord. He was half-hearted. And, you know, being half-hearted in your faith, it will not bring you the full blessing that the Lord God offers you. 
Joash's cultural tradition got in the way of him not serving the Lord fully. And since he had always been accustomed to being defeated by the Syrians, he was always, he'd always been beaten. They were always oppressed. That means he did not fully believe that he could put all his hope in the Lord's promise. And that's why he only struck the ground three times. Friend, if you were so accustomed to being defeated all the time, then you're never going to believe the Lord's full victory. And when you're given a chance to shoot a thousand arrows, you'll only shoot three. Because you're so used to defeat, you will act according to defeat. Because you're so used to being beaten up, you're not going to believe when the Lord tells you that you have victory. I think we need to turn something around, don't you? So this makes me want to ask you a question. Is your complete victory just out of your reach simply because you're not seriously taking all the arrows that God gave you? You know, Elisha tried to turn the king back towards Jehovah God to see him as the one true answer and the one true deliverer of Israel who could save them from their oppression. But he just didn't see the whole picture, did he? You know, God loves to bless us. I know you like the sound of that, and people say it all the time, and he does. God loves to bless us, and God is not limited in what he can do in our lives. But when we get distracted by our sin, then we end up limiting what God will do for us. You could be having more victory, just like Elisha told him. He goes, you could have had more victory, but you only got three because you only believed enough to shoot three arrows. Friend, how much are you using for what, from what God has given you? You know, I'm never going to let a five-year-old kid drive a car because that's too much power for them. They will cause damage with it. But what I have to do is have that child grow up first. Have that child learn to commit to learning and have that child devote themselves to the disciplines of driving properly. If they will commit in and give their best to that, then they can operate a car to its full potential. But sadly, there's a lot of Christians today, they insist on remaining five years old in their faith to where they end up thinking that God can't or that God won't bless them fully like he has already promised to do. When the problem is actually their refusal to fully believe in what God has already promised them. Psalm 37 verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit, big word, commit. People, we need to learn this word. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So back to Joash. He was partially obedient, but he had kind of given up. Joash honored God's prophet Elisha, but he didn't fully depart from the sins of Jeroboam, which means that Joash, he just would not walk fully in repentance. Now that caused him to put up only a partial effort. Again, you ever think about these Co-workers of yours, when they're told to do something, they only do the job halfway or just enough, and then they quit or not quite all the way. Isn't that frustrating? That's irritating. That's what Joash did. Friends, I don't want us to walk through life with only partial victories when the Lord God has offered us full victory in Jesus Christ. It even says so in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-seven. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, this is your promise of victory. 
And people love this verse. They love the sound of victory because they expect God to make good on his end of it. Oh, God's going to give me victory. He has to do it. And friends, guess what? He can do it. But when we hold the Lord God with a half-hearted, doubtful faith, clouded up by sin, then we don't get to experience the fullness of what the Lord God has offered us. Why do we demand God to to deliver fully on his end, but we won't deliver on our end? I want you to consider how the Lord kept his covenant with Israel. No matter how bad deficient the king was, he would not let anyone take Israel out. But at the same time, the Lord restricted the victory to Joash based on his lack of faith. Friends, the Lord has sealed your salvation in covenant. Once you get saved by Jesus, you are covered for that. He will never allow salvation to get taken down from you. You are in covenant. But at the same time, are you restricting your own blessings from the Lord because of a lack of faith? We saw Israel covered in covenant. God would not let them down, but he would only give them partial victory because of partial faith. What about you? Where's your peace? Well, I'm saved in Jesus. Great. That's wonderful. I'm glad you are if you are. But where's your full victory? How come you don't have that full peace? You need to commit into the Lord, and you need to take every arrow he's given you, every resource, every command that he's told you to do. The big one these days is we have to that we are to assemble in the body of believers. That's Hebrews 10, if you want to look it up. But a lot of people calling themselves Christian, they don't go to church. Oh, you don't have to go to church? Really? That's one of the arrows you're not shooting. Are you restricting your own blessings from the Lord due to a lack of faith? Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It doesn't say trust in the Lord with some of it. It doesn't say trust in the Lord with 50% of it. It doesn't even say trust in the Lord with 99% of it. It says trust in the Lord with all your heart. I ask a friend of mine, what does all mean? And he says, all means all. (laughs) Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. It doesn't say, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and then you can do whatever you want to. No, it says, trust in him with all your heart, and then he, not you, he shall direct your paths. You have been given the promise of victory. Where's your peace? Do you have it? Where's it gone? Why did it leave? How many arrows have you shot in the ground versus how many arrows you have available? Friends, I think it's time for us to commit and walk our life with Jesus like we believe the promises he's given us, don't you? You want help with this? Follow me in prayer. Father, forgive me. I've sinned. I fell short. And more than once, I fell short before I got saved. And Lord Jesus, I give you my life now. Lord, I'm sorry. Thank you for paying my way. Give me that gift of eternal life. And Lord, forgive me for the times that I did not fully believe in you when I should have. Forgive me for the opportunities that I could have shared the gospel and I didn't, Lord, forgive us where we fall short. Lord, show us the arrows that we have been given. I ask you, Lord, everybody here listening today, you deal with them on all the arrows you gave them and tell them which way to shoot it and tell them how many. And my friends, if you're hearing me, I hope you shoot them all. Be all in. It's a great way to live because you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.